Brian sent send the invite to this, so then I can just log in with Gmail because the Yahoo account isn't agreeing with anything. All right. Wow, Yahoo. Take two. The Rocket Mail. Rocket Mail. Nobody, nobody would guess Yahoo. It's, it's <laughs> virtually safe because they assume nobody uses it. Yeah, dude. Right? Security through obscurity is a real thing for sure. Right. I, do, I don't Actually, even I know the password. Like, I think Yahoo is probably like the least safe email provider because it's mostly inhabited by like 85 year old people who would be like, yes, I will share that picture of that puppy. Click. <laughs> I would say Yahoo, just every account is technically compromised. The amount of <laughs> ads on it is ridiculous. There's ads in the email feed. So you'd like be looking like, what is it? Oh, it's an ad. All right, keep going down. I need to make a more professional email account soon and transfer over. Make your own, man. I, I, you with iCloud. <laughs> if if you have iCloud, you can register a custom domain on there. That's what I did. I have because, I have because it's so hard to make a custom anything else know, right? email. I mean, are you going to run freaking Mail Squirrel or whatever, dude? Hard <laughs> no. pass. I'm not I, that I have, hardcore. I have done all <laughs> of the mail server things. I, all, I went down the rabbit hole. All that mail servers are terrible. All of them. Hello and welcome to this edition of Black Hills Information Security talking about news. I am in the official remote location in Spearfish, South Dakota. I am not in the basement. I'm up in the attic. So you can see I got my nice fireplace going in the background. Makes things nice and warm in here, um, which I think is pretty cool. And I guess none of us really know what news stories are going to be popping up today. So Ryan's just going to give it to us. He's going to give it to us blind. And we're going to form opinions about the news without actually reading the news, or as we like to call it, our Twitter section. Um, so what is our first It's like news a reaction story? video. It's like a reaction <laughs> video. So well, well, we do have react. a Twitter. We do have a Twitter. We can start off with Twitter because we do have a very important Twitter thing that we've got to, it's a thread. Uh, so we got to click on it and go through it here. Yes. And, and reaction would be good for this one for sure. What could go wrong? Just click. I'm, I'm seeing a picture of the queen. The I'm wondering about EXIF data, data, I think. Yeah. It's a thing about, you know, sharing unwanted stuff online. So this guy uh, took a photo from what is it the royal family's official twitter account and he's doing the uh the old zoom and enhance here oh no to find is it using gimp very interesting stuff no no hold on uh, you're going too far you're going too far oh. Oh. <laughs> dude that is classified that is classified data dude oh my um, god no, or no. whatever You've they call it Sorry, it's for British eyes only. <laughs> so so for the, the audio only uh, audience, we, we have a Rickroll is what we've got here on this. OCR is programmed to Rickroll you after it gets to a certain pixelation level. <laughs> that's, and that's the way it should be for everything, I think. Um, just make sure that we don't take crap too seriously, right? That's right. It's a good way to start things off. So do we want to talk? I can throw in a story here real quickly. There we go. Let's right. talk about hacker group names. Um, so we got China linked group attacked Taiwanese financial firms for 18 months. And I don't know how much really this, there's a lot to learn here, 
it shouldn't be too much of a surprise that China is actively trying to break into Taiwan. But I think the best thing is, I, I think that this group is known as Pirate Panda. And if we're going to take anything from this, I think that Pirate Panda is probably the best name so far. There's Gothic Panda, Shadow well, Panda. Well, so you know about Co- Cozy Bear and and what and all the like. You know how they actually make these names, right? They have. No, they have I, so here's how they do it, and this is from the book Sandworm, which CJ turned me on to, which is about the Russian stuff. Uh, like Sandworm is a Russian APT or whatever that's been doing stuff for years. But basically, one of the security firms, I think it's CrowdStrike or maybe it's CrowdStrike. They have different, every country gets a different animal and then they create like random names for each actor in the country. So like all of China's threat actors are supposed to be pandas. So it's like happy panda, sad panda, pirate panda. I mean, poopy panda, I'm assuming is one of them. You know, you get, it goes on. Then Russia is bears. I guess India Mm -hmm. would be tigers. I don't know. Iran is kittens. But, what is America though? <laughs> Eagles? Like, <laughs> yeah, we got turkey. Eagly. Turkeys. We're oh, eagly. Oh, eagly. No, turkeys. Turkeys. Eagly. Eagly. An eagle hugged me. It was a beautiful. So name. yeah, pirate no panda. Way. They hug you. Cool. So so here's the, so here's the thing I want to take from this per- particular article. Other than the cool name, and I do want to wait. I wonder whenever these new teams come out and they're set up, it's like, so do we got our name yet? And, you know, it's in China where it's going to be something panda. It's going to be something panda. You got to get set up a Russian bear. It's going to be bear. You just see him. It'd be like turned into an episode of Seinfeld. It's like, oh, I hope I'm T-bone bear. And it's like, oh, no, you don't get to pick. You don't get to pick your APT name. No, what if we put it in our malware that this is created by T-bone bear? No, they're not. They're not going to give you that. You know, it's like. So yeah, that, then, that's then what Symantec did, but and, they, and they're, they're hoping, no longer on top anymore. Yeah, they're hoping, they're hoping. And then finally, like, we uncovered a new group of attackers. And this group of attackers were calling gummy bears. Um, <laughs> it's like, damn it! Why gummy bears? Um, but other than the names, got a, I got an open question. I'd love for the audience, and I'd love for all of you, why the hell are we still reverse engineering this crap? And, and the reason why I say that is every damn article is the same thing. It's like, we reverse engineered their malware. Okay. And they wanted to move laterally with their malware. Oh, okay. And they established command and control. Okay. And, and, And it had the ability to pull files off the system. All right. And access the webcam. And access the webcam. Keystroke logger. Here's the thing. Everyone wants the next Stuxnet. They want to be. They want, they want to blog post. They want to blog post the next Stuxnet. They want to be the people that are like, "We found something amazing." But what they're really doing is just doing lolbus. They're like, "We found someone that used WMI to execute commands." <laughs> it's to fill out their MITRE attack charts. Everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> is it like attack, a bingo? And then it's yeah, it's threat intelligence bingo. That's the exact thing. It's yo, oh, look, look what I got. Look what I did. Like, well, and. It, 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 <laughs> At what point do we just stop and be like, malware is going to malware, yo? Um, we we reverse engineered the malware. We decrypted everything. We found out it communicated to this IP address. It's like, yeah, you could have gotten that from a packet capture. You know that, right? Like, you know, I, I get the marketing side of it. I really do. And I, and I think, honestly, our security operations center is ultimately going to have something like this someday, right? Like, we're going to find We need some a malware. score. Can we give a score? Like, I want I want to see, like, scores, like... How cool is it? Not how useful or how dangerous, there you go. Or whatever, but just like, is it script kitty? Like, rank it on a scale of like 
pirate panda to poopy panda or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> okay, now there's you know? an idea. Okay, let's 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 top let's talk about that. Okay. So if the malware is just a standard executable and it drops on the system and it's just repackaging of Cobalt Strike, we need like a CVSS score, but for coolness. Yes. So InfoSec community professionals can see, is this worth my time to read? So if it's the same general run-of-the-mill malware that I can pull off the shelf, it should get like a score of like, like one or maybe five, make it like five, right? If it's like absolutely cutting edge and they're using techniques that we have never seen before, then we can start moving up that scale. I think you're so right. I think we I should think, go by tiers. Well, that's T- and that's kind of like what Wispo was saying. Um, oh, and Ryan just pulled it up there. But there's only so many ways to break into a house. Like what we really want to see is when they break into a house a different way than we normally do. Their yeah, normal ways is they Straight come through the, the windows, they they pick the lock. You know, we really want to see the ones where they're like, so they took a giant saw, they cut through the foundation of the basement, and then came in from the bottom. That's what we want to see. They drove sure. a car through the wall, like, eh, okay, well, medium. You know. And, and that's but. kind of, you know, like Mike and Bo and stuff, like some of the stuff and Steve and, you know, like a lot of the Corey, like there's a lot of stuff that you guys do. And it, I almost feel sometimes like you guys are trying to do cool shit because you're tired of the boring stuff. A hundred percent. It's like whenever Mike's like, so I was able to create malware that actually hooks into the Windows notification framework and we can set up Windows notification framework so we can tell whenever somebody's hitting the keys and then, then it actually establishes the C2. So it doesn't have a defined pattern associated with, and it's just like, holy crap, that's really freaking cool. Like, why did you do that? It's like, well, the test run was kind of boring. We got in in about two hours and we had time to kill. Um, (laughs) No, I think it should be like a tier list. Like, have you seen like the internet tier list of like S tier, A tier, B, C, and then all the way down to like F? Yeah, it should be like Stuxnet is like S tier or S plus. It's like I think that's a great webcast. We just bring up malware. And then have a YouTube video where John just classes malware. <laughs> You're a little bit late on the YouTube trend, but I'm sure someone would watch. Just, yeah, it'll be like, no zero days. It can't be S tier. You'd be like watching one of John Hammond's videos and be like, oh, they're using XOR over HTTP. He would be the perfect person to do it. This is not, this is of no interest to me, you know, or they're using like a local privilege escalation exploit that we've never seen before. It's like, all right, I'll give them points for that. Well done. Yeah, well, those creator. are the best videos. Is like the video, like the videos where the invent or the you know some creators will do like, here's all your ideas and why they're all terrible. Like it's just like someone getting angry about like this malware sucks. This one sucks. This isn't even malware. This is just a copy of NTDLL. Like <laughs> what? What the hell? You're using Netcat? Look, I'm giving you points for style. Okay, but you know. It's like, look, they reversed, they, they repackaged Poison Ivy and they got it to run on a system. Weird, but I'll allow it. Uh, yes, Kumar. I would subscribe. Hard Kumar subscribe. just asked, uh, he said, what should a threat and tell analyst's goal be? Should they be looking for unique patterns of attacks? I'm going to let you guys go first. And then I'm going to, because I always kind of bogart the hell out of this. I can go get a drink of water. So go ahead. I think that's the loaded question. Uh, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. No, no, for you, for you, I mean. Oh, it is. That's why I'm letting you guys go first. Your hatred for threat intel is is wide. It's deep. Public knowledge. So I think, so a lot of people always with threat intel always talk about like tracking TTPs and IOCs. And I think that's all part of it, right? Understanding how you can get those IOCs into your network and use them even though they are garbage. And then making sure you do have the pro or are detecting the proper TTPs. But one thing I, a lot of people don't really think about is understanding what's in your network as well, right? So if you're in working in Threat Intel, you should know all the software in your network and you should be that guy who's watching the newsfeed, like, oh, here's a, here's a Samba vulnerability. And then I look over in asset inventory and be like, 
we got Samba everywhere. I think that's one part of threat intel people don't think about, which technically is threat and vulnerability, but it, I think it encompasses a lot. But the TTPs are golden, I still think. But what do you guys think? <laughs> I could rant. I don't know anything. I am the threat, so I yeah. have no clue. So whenever we're looking at threat intelligence, I honestly think that let's start with what garbage threat intelligence is. Okay. Yeah. Garbage threat intelligence is if you are purchasing hashes, you're purchasing um, IP addresses and you're purchasing domains and URLs. If you're doing that and you're a threat intel analyst and you're merely purchasing those things and you're shoving them into your network, just stop. Just don't do that. Because most of that stuff is repackaged AV signatures and it's repackaged signatures for bad IP addresses and, and URLs that are well known. And most of the time, like the targeted attacker that's coming after your environment ain't coming through those because really good attackers or actual professional attackers, they're actually changing those IP addresses fairly regularly. They're URLs, or at least they should be, right? So that's what you shouldn't be doing. So a good threat intel analyst is actually going to be doing something called outlier analysis. So whenever you're doing threat intelligence and you're trying to find or threat hunting in your environment, you're trying to find an attacker that you're assuming has the ability to actually bypass a lot of the existing traditional base detections that you have in your environment. So just like Wade mentioned just a second ago, TTPs, you know, I think that that matters. That's different than IOCs. You know, I want to make a shirt that says TTP greater than IOCs, because I think we need to get that idea in the community. So if we know what an attacker will do, right, if we can get into the TTPs, we can actually start looking in the environment, trying to find outliers of activity, whether it's network, whether it's endpoint artifacts, whether it's URLs that people are surfing. And we can find these outliers in our environment that other users aren't going to. For example, if you're looking for IP addresses, are there IP addresses in your environment that nobody except for that one system is going to? Most of the time, that's not going to be an actual attacker. It's going to be like some server that has some software that's going out. And that's fine. But that goes back once again to what Wade was talking about. You're learning about your environment. You're finding those outliers, right? But it needs to be coupled with understanding of what threat actors do. So you have a good understanding of what the actual attack methodologies do. So I have this picture and I got to hunt it down. Whenever you're looking for attack artifacts on an environment, if you get an alert, like there's some kind of outlier on a system, like let's say that there's a network connection from that system and that's it, probably not all that interesting. If you have one software package or a driver that's installed on one system by itself, probably not all that interesting. But when you start developing a convergence where you have abnormal network traffic going out of your network, you have rare files that are running on that system or processes that are running on that system, that's interesting. And if you have that system is also pivoting to other resources inside of your environment, now it's getting really interesting. So if you're doing threat intel work, you have to understand what threat activities look like. You have to be able to look for outliers in your environment. You have to be able to put these things together to make a determination whether or not that's an advanced threat actor. So that's the way I look at that. And then the final part is IR. Once you actually know or pretty certain that you have malware on the inside of your network, what you're going to do now as a threat intel analyst is be able to effectively and intelligently research what is the IP address it's connecting to. What ports are open on that system without actually port scanning that system? Does that system show up on any blacklists or deny lists? 
does that system show up in an ASN that's in a part of the world that really is known for not being a great ASN? So you can do a lot of those things as part of a threat analyst, but it requires you to understand the attack methodology and it requires you to also have a good understanding of how to research things in your own environment and do outlier analysis. So that's my, I think that's probably the most subdued threat intel rant i've had so far that sounds hard can i just buy a thing that i put in my network and connect it to my like plug the ethernet through it and it just protects me from everything (laughs) yeah especially because my single analyst is just completely overloaded right now i mean yeah or you could just do that that seems way easier yeah the new call of duty came out so he's pretty overloaded (laughs) (laughs) he's been pretty busy um he's been playing god of war it came out on pc which allows him to play it at work so that's good (laughs) <laughs> don't reveal my secrets <laughs> yeah stop, stop. Stadia, Stadia has been great for him like now now we just opened Stadia up through the firewall he's good to go <laughs> he's <set up. laughs> you know it's funny you joke about that but I once got called in on a, on a government a DOD contractor and their their sock was garbage um, it was really 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 trash and Tim Tomes was the one that actually did the assessment on this engagement and he found tons of video games on all of their computer systems. And we started doing packet captures and, and yeah, they, they were playing games all day long. And I would sit in their meetings for the two weeks that we were doing the assessment. And they're like, well, you know, I'm currently working on our Nessus vulnerability reports. And I had to put in some extra time yesterday. And I'm like, that's not what he was doing. I know. So I pulled your Syscon logs and yeah. uh... <laughs> you, 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 you were playing a FIFA World Cup for eight hours yesterday. I, I know that that's what you were doing, but yeah. It's because it was that. investigating it because it could be a malicious process. <laughs> it could be. It could be. You gotta, you gotta, run, you gotta beat the game before you know if it's gonna hack you or not. So Somewhere in this game in. is an Easter egg that opens up malware and I'm going to find it. <laughs> my, my my absolute favorite was the time that I they was, it was like an IT security admin all-in-one kind of magical wizard person walk in and I'm like, so uh, what, what have you been up to? And they're like, Oh, I've been threat hunting. And I'm like, according to your logs, you've been playing American Deer Hunter 2018. <laughs> I don't think that counts as threat hunting. <laughs> like, it's like a hunting. It's uh, hunting. It's hunting. I, not really, but. I, I, I uh, expect you to play video games at work. I just expect you to have better taste. I'm just, uh, I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm just really disappointed. Right. <laughs> on, a, on a side note, back to Intel. If if you ever want any good Intel stuff, go look up uh, Katie Nichols. She has an excellent awesome. Medium post and excellent Twitter feed, and I follow her. Awesome. So yeah, I'll get info there. She's great. Once again, I mean, we we've got to figure out, like I said, what what value, and I and I think that this is a question that a lot of people need to be asking. So, you know, I have people that would take classes like I want to get into reverse engineering malware. Why? You're not going to do it as part of an IR engagement. You're not. And there's absolutely jobs that require that. Like if you're working for an AV vendor or a firewall vendor, you're going to be doing that. That's your job. I expect that. But if you're a standard security analyst and you're spending time reverse engineering malware, it's like, seriously, you're, you're kind of wasting your time uh, at that point. And I know there's a bunch of people that got reverse engineering malware classes. They're like, how dare you say that? And no, they're fun. Would you say that, that that qualifies for PowerShell scripts found, like malicious PowerShell scripts as well? Like obfuscate, obfuscated ones. When you got to reverse base sixty four, that counts, all right. And you got to throw it yeah. in the chef, and it comes back, and you're like, "Yep, there we go, we did it." High now five. that's how you get a raise. That's how you look badass, <laughs> right? You're like, you start with all of this, and it's like plus equals semicolon colons plus plus plus, and you're like, "All right." So you can see this clearly encoded. So what I had to do is I had to run it through a whole bunch of you know. 
And then you can show people and here's the script and your management's going to be like, well, well done. Well done. And that's fun. That becomes like the CTF side of it. So no, I, I just say that there is some value in that, I suppose. But I, I was just thinking, cause I've actually seen stuff like that in environments before where I've actually pulled it out. And usually the reason I'm having to do it is that the AV has no clue what it is. It was just found on the system. So you're trying to figure out <laughs> why it's doing it what it's doing. System. YOLO, well, no, you just decode it. And you're like, okay, oh, this is just a PowerShell crypto miner. Never mind. This isn't something we you go find the DLLs it's loading. But I did have like a full low boss, like PowerShell crypto miner. I had a reverse at one point, um, like triple encoded. Lots of fun. This is why but, people do it, because you can flex on other people with it. Right. <laughs> it's stunt hacking, right? It's the reverse of stunt hacking, because it's reverse malware stunt hacking. I I, dis- I base 63 encoded my last malware. Whoa. No one's going to see that coming. I definitely have not wrote a detection for base 63. <laughs> <laughs> The next story that we want to talk about is the macros, um, saying that they cannot be enabled for macros for files that you download uh, from the internet. Now, especially in like Word documents and PowerPoint, I can see my main concern about this, other than the fact that, you know, other than the fact that it's going to make getting access to some systems a little bit more difficult, is Excel actually, there's a lot of people that use macros very heavily. Yeah. Yeah, so... If I could, the first thing I saw, the the first thing I thought when I saw this article was, okay, so this is going to be why every financial department now is going to request UAC be disabled. Yeah, I I think it might actually have the enterprise. Yep, it's going to have a different impact. And and I agree with the article where it's basically talking about (laughs) people have been attacking this, and I think they said since two thousand. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's been it's been since since macros existed, really. Um, since the early 2000s, right? The, so the answer to Noah, though, wouldn't couldn't you just tell them, "Hey, go work in the cloud," right? Like, use yeah, a, remember a lot of macros don't work in the cloud, um, especially oh, really? yeah. and these are BBA oh, okay. macros that is, we're specifically talking about, not the JavaScript ones that would work in the cloud. Yeah, uh, all right. Yeah, shows you how I often I work in the cloud. Is so, this based <laughs> on Mark of the Web? Is that all it's based on? Like, if it yeah. has Mark of the Web, you can't run macros because it's funny because yeah. yeah. we don't. We don't trust, we like, we avoid Mark of the Web at all costs anyway. So mm-hmm. it's kind of ironic. There's probably still some organization out there that allows that, um, allows downloads of like docms, like, or like email attachments with docms. But like, I don't know. That's, it sucks. It's another layer for us to get around, but we've kind of yeah. avoid that anyway. Cause dude, when you run a file that's Mark of the Web, there's like a thousand. Al- Alert. There's a they thousand just, oh, steps. Yeah. It's like, are you sure? Are you seriously sure? Send me a picture of Bill Gates. That says you're sure. Like, <laughs> and a so, picture of yeah. Bill Gates with your passport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. But you know, you can just embed it in a file or ISO or other. There's other techniques to get files dropped that don't have Mark of the Web. So yeah, I I just but, like I said, but you I know, a great way to... to get Mark of the Web added to a macro laden Excel document: internal SharePoint, and then your financial team downloads it and tries to run it, and then they See, request you disable UAC. That's what I think is going to happen. That's what I think is going to happen, right? And for us, for the offensive community, we're basically going to be a situation like, who should we target? Hmm, who's most likely going to disable all macro security features? <gasps> Accounting! And that's where we're going, right? And this, this, this sucks for me because like, this is like full circle from what I was doing pen testing 13 years ago, right? Uh, to try to get these things in, it, I was targeting those users because they're more than likely going to have reduced security controls and they're more than likely to run anything that pops up. 
And I think that we're going to get back there fairly quickly. So I don't know. I think that this is going to be relatively short-lived or there's going to be a specific workaround that you can push out through group policy that'll allow them to work. Because you're right. If they're sharing these files via SharePoint and they're using macros, our own marketing and finance teams and secu- uh, not security, um, sales teams, they're using macros all time in Excel. And if this is shutting it down as soon as you download something, yeah, we're in trouble. It's going to be interesting really, really quick. But I don't know. I, so I feel like... Yeah, I feel like Microsoft's got to have a workaround for the SharePoint thing, like a trusted yeah. zone or some crap like that. Or they're going to force you to download and run the full OneDrive so you're not going to be able to run the apps <laughs> in your browser. God help me if that's what they actually do. Um, somebody just said, or the, one of the downside is they won't learn how to code in modern versions of Excel. And I think that's getting into the JavaScript, uh, learning how to yeah. write your macros in JavaScript. So thank God for that. The, uh, the VB macros really are just there for legacy support but if you yeah. like the number of accounting vps that i've talked to where i'm like we need to get rid of this thing and they've mm-hmm. been like mm-hmm. we've had this for 25 years if this document goes away the company will not function anymore <laughs> no um, one it, there's an incredibly paid. high number of people that have told me that well and, and like i said that's at the heart of almost every single corporation that's over 100 people um, you're going to have the finance people are running Excel spreadsheets and they're going to be running macros and all that. Uh, Flakvest said, is it all macros or certain types of, for certain versions of EB? I got the impression from the article that it was all macros. They're just shutting them down. If they got Mark of the web, it's it. You're not going to be able to run it. So it's going to get interesting. Um, but hell for, yeah, whatever. Finance people often reuse ancient code. Plus they don't understand the original person left years ago. Smart card reader well, thing. It's overlooked fail security. Yeah, true. And, and macro programming used to be a lot more common thing. I mean, it was it was taught in schools and stuff even. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. uncommon for people to know how to write some basic, simple macro code. And now if you look at the modern user, it's not as common. Yeah. And um, I, I, so you see I things almost, like old access databases and these mm-hmm. old spreadsheets that have been used for 20 years and nobody knows how to fix them. Yeah. And, and from my perspective too, you know, in the cyber deception class, we actually have honeypots where you can create an Excel spreadsheet and when they open it, it'll geolocate them. And I don't know, this kind of makes that a little bit more complicated, but I know that if attackers get access to something and they think it's going to have value, they will try to find a way to execute the macros on them. I and mean, we've had experience with that. Um, but it's going to make it a little bit more difficult. But I think that this is part of Microsoft. Like Microsoft clearly doesn't want people running Exchange on-prem anymore. We know that, right? And Microsoft is clearly pushing as many people to go to the cloud for absolutely everything as they possibly can. So I think this is just more so probably a step in that direction then it has anything to do with macros. Because it's not like Microsoft woke up today and was like, oh my God, CISA called. And they said that macros are being used in hacker attacks? What? Oh, we're going to have to shut that down. Thanks for letting us know, CISA. So it, it's, it, that's not what it is. I think that there's a, market, there's a market push associated with it. They're trying to get people to run their crap in the cloud. And Microsoft doesn't want to run those macros in the cloud because they're not that stupid. You just get a beacon from like Microsoft HQ. You're like, oh, looks like they ran the macro. Whoops. Uh oh. <laughs> well, we were we were doing that, and for a while, Google would actually trigger. Um, and yeah. If you had something that was doing like a beacon back macro, it would start coming from like Google server, you know, for like Google Docs. And you're like, oopsies. Uh, so 
thankfully they shot that down as well. I, I, I threw a canary token at someone with an image and all of a sudden I got like Washington. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And it's Google. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, but then oh, it got like, Google again. I, I know. Then it Google's goes Nigeria. And I'm like, oh, there they are. <laughs> I knew Google was a threat actor. So, all right. What's the next story we got here? Ryan's going to queue them up for us. Reaction videos going down to the next one. Feel the excitement. Say if we want, uh, technically, if we're talking about Google being a threat actor, we can talk about how uh, Apple is a threat actor according to Facebook now. Oh my God. Oh, let's talk about that a little bit. Did Apple screw Facebook over incredibly hard or what? Um, right. <laughs> so this is, this is just one of many articles. So basically what happened is Apple enabled security privacy protection mechanisms where you had to opt in to allow an app to start collecting information, like your location, all kinds of personal information. And it's, I've seen the graph. I don't know if this article has it, but there's a graph that shows the value of Facebook. And there's like this cliff where it loses 25% of its value as soon as Apple turns that on. And it absolutely just killed Facebook because their ad revenues went in the toilet because they weren't able to harvest as much user information as they were from Apple users. Uh, to be able to give them targeted ads on that as well. Yeah. Right. Um, so you just Google meta um, stock yeah. in, in Google and then go mm-hmm. to like the one month view, you can see it. But the, it just, basically boom. February 2nd, their value was 323. Um, mm-hmm. And basically as soon as the market opened, their value dropped to 237.76. So when, that was so. because they published a report yeah. that they lost users for the first time ever. That's related to this in that sense. It is. But. It is. Uh, yeah. Okay. It is. Well, the, the, yeah. I mean, I think it's multiple, multiple pressure TikTok. points for them. And TikTok is eating yeah. their lunch yep. as well. It's multiple yeah. pressure points. It's number one, they are losing market share of people using Facebook. It's got the boomer label, it's getting cannibalized by TikTok and other platforms. And now this, their money generating of selling ads is double whammy, number one, privacy stuff, and number two, losing users. If I'm buying an ad, why would I buy an ad on Facebook? They're losing users and they can't target people as specifically as they used to. So I'm just not going to. So it's like yeah. double double whammy. The other thing I would say is I don't think that their meta rebrand went quite how they wanted. I think the public <laughs> kind of saw what they were doing with that yeah. and uh, they didn't totally appreciate that. Well, because no one knows or cares what the metaverse is. I'm like one of the nerdiest people ever and I still am like, I've been to the metaverse once and it was pretty lame. So like yeah, I, yeah. a whole huge company that brands itself as this thing that no one knows what it is. No one has experienced it. It's a questionable move. I know it's probably a well, you know, sink or swim. Even if you have an Oculus, it's not that, it's not that easy to get to. (laughs) No, it's not. And it's funny, like Elon Musk is talking about the the brain computer interface, right? And I think, I don't know, there was some stupid story was like, we can actually give people orgasms on demand. And (laughs) you can see people that are investing in the metaverse. They're like, wait a minute, that's where the money needs to go. Cause that's, what's going to win. Right. And I will think about playing some, oh, sorry. I I was going to say the metaverse, when you think about the metaverse, like you think about like really cool books like Snow Crash and The Matrix and all that. And really it's just a bunch of super awkward goggles and you get dizzy and you get sick to your stomach um, when you're wearing yeah, them or when you there. take them off. It's, it's not just, there yet. It, it's not there. So go ahead. Somebody was talking. I, 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 think, Every- I think it depends on what games you play. Cause I, so I got, well, I was one of those people who got it for Christmas and hooked up the air link and stream off my PC, which is a decent gaming rig. And playing playing like the Oculus games is kind of okay, right? Yeah, I do get the cyber sickness, but then once you jump into something like Half Life, 
or even the Star Wars games, I kind of understand like, okay, if this were to break out a little bit more, I could see why Zuckerberg pushed all the money for it. Because like yeah. Half-Life is amazing. Like I now, would highly are you still playing that with a keyboard and mouse? No, I'm playing oh, it with complete, yeah. complete controls downstairs, punching TVs, punching my walls. I'm trying to throw a grenade <laughs> across the room. My wife's yelling at me. And You're then, selling yeah. this really well, Wade. But it's, dude, it's so I, I, niche. It's so it, niche. It, you like think, even amongst the, gamers, even amongst gamers, which is already a niche of this general population. Like, think about how many users Facebook has. Yeah. It's like a decent chunk of the global population, right? <laughs> I don't think have, people realize how cheap they are though now. Because I got one are. for two hundred dollars used, right? And it, I was like, that's it. I was expecting to drop like six hundred bills and then not even be able to play on my PC. And then find out that it's a wireless link to my computer. That there's no lag time on a 5G, and it's just there. And the games, the yeah. multiplayer games, are okay. Some like they have one that's overcooked. If you've ever played that, where you're sitting there cooking sandwiches, and me is like a fast food background. I'm just loving it, yelling at orders. Like you got two sandwiches on rye and with mustard, and everyone's just flipping. It's it's so, fun, but you got to have a couple more people buy in. I think the advertisement so, isn't there yet. So here's the thing that I thought was interesting is we got an Oculus, right? And you know, whenever you turn on your Oculus or like in your living room, in your virtual, your virtual living room, mm -hmm. that's like one of those things that I think I, because you can mark out your house. Like people are like, how does it know yeah. the boundaries? And it shows you this really crappy granularly, like black and white where the camera <laughs> shows you what your house looks like, which is stupid, but you can mark your house out. And then you can literally like create this amazing place that you're living in with it. And I think people that have like really crappy apartments, that might be really a cool selling point because then you're well, your here's the thing. Shitty. Okay. So we're talking about gaming, right? So the biggest gaming company in the world is Sony and their revenue is $10 billion. Okay. So Facebook's revenue, just Facebook by itself is like over $70 billion. So like, mm -hmm. Facebook as a company is seven times bigger than the biggest gaming company in the world. Like now they, you know what I mean? Is that sales? I got to ask Corey, is that that's sales? Revenue. That's, that's revenue. revenue. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So like, basically what I'm saying is my point is that the metaverse is a niche concept that applies to a subset of the population already versus yeah. Facebook, which applies to everyone, like mm -hmm. everyone or not everyone, but the general internet population uses things like advertising. And things like websites and social media. They don't necessarily game. And even within gaming, they definitely don't go as specific as I'm going to have a room in my house or an area in my house that is dedicated, dedicated to, to a platform that is in many ways less like less easy to use than just looking at a screen, right? Like I don't know. I mean, it it's I just an interesting play for a company that they're saying, like, we're going to corner a market that we are a hundred times bigger than this entire market. It's so it's it's, it's interesting. Very, like you said too, yeah. Facebook is is labeled as old and it is Which starting is to die out at, at that point. So maybe their response is like, we need to go with the newest technology we can think of. Quantum computers aren't quite ready yet, so let's go to VR headsets. <laughs> yeah, so I, I have feel you like uh, have you linked the VR headset with your computer and then like had all like I have three monitors, so I can pull up each monitor totally around me, and totally so it's like sixty five inch monitors. I'm sitting there at my desk. And I'm just it, like, it feels all right, like this I'm is an pretty... ant in a theater. <laughs> it's like I have a high definition theater screen as my computer. Yeah, it's, yeah. and it definitely, it is niche, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> it, it's it's it amazing. It is absolutely amazing. However, there the limitations are so obvious so immediately 
that it is like I see, you know, I see why it is causing a market panic because it's really like the the hardware isn't really ready. I think if I had to guess, and this is total speculation, Facebook had this plan, right? This is probably their 10-year plan. And then they're feeling pressure that's like, we better accelerate this plan. We better accelerate this plan. Oh, <laughs> shit. We're doing it now. We're going li- like, we're you know, it. like, I don't know. That's my <laughs> guess. Because like, so, it's just tough. So like, here's here's my thing about it is... I feel like a lot of these vendors are too tightly coupling and closing off the ecosystem because they want apps to be sold on their store so that they can make revenue. And I think the only way that this works, and I agree, like with Wade, what are you saying? The technology is amazing. Even if it has limitations and things like the technology is freaking amazing. Here's the deal. I don't think that a bunch of executives at Facebook, as much money as they have, are going to be able to find that killer app or that killer hook. I honestly think that they need to open source this as much as they possibly can, get all kinds of crazy people coming in and doing all kinds of crazy stuff with it. And you know, the more people that you have coming up with this, more applications for this technology are going to exist. And I can't see a large corporation like Facebook being supportive of something like that and allowing that environment to actually exist with that level of insanity. I just I just can't see them just doing that. You almost need like a full crazy open source model where people are, you know, the SDKs are super easy to use and people are creating all kinds of things. Like, you know, you know, the one that I saw that the potential is like, holy crap, this is interesting. Is there's a game where nothing moves until you move and Uh, bullets are coming at you and you stop moving. And I can't remember what the name of it is. Super hot. Super hot. Is there, what is the biggest metaverse like app? Is it VR chat? No, oh. VR chat's something completely different. Yeah. So that, that is metaverse, isn't it? No, VR chat no, VR no. chat is like originally from uh like Steam, right? So well, what I mean is that it is it is a metaverse app. Not uh, made by Meta, but like I don't think... determining metaverse can basically be anything within the VR space. At the yeah, point. I think right now we're defining metaverse as what Facebook is calling the metaverse. Because if you actually go to like a lot of InfoSec geeks and you're like you know, metaverse, we immediately start thinking of like Ready Player One. We start thinking of this bigger thing. And I'm unfortunately, because they have names that are similar, I'm talking specifically about what what uh, Facebook is doing. And Which is what? I'm not even, what What are they defining the metaverse as? So <laughs> making their, their, their ecosystem. ecosystem. Yeah, their ecosystem, yeah. Go ahead, Alex. Have you guys seen that um, Walmart demo thing yet, which I put out? No. no. I will go find oh, the, the shopping? Yes. The shopping? That's like the oh, only oh. thing concrete metaverse which I've seen so far, which I've put out. So that, that, that the thing with that is nice. that, that that just violates so many <laughs> things. Like, yeah. like, like I go and I, buy yeah. my groceries on the computer because I don't want to go to the store. The yeah. store. So I like dude, the this, app because it doesn't feel like Walmart. This illustrates <laughs> right. the exact this this is why their stock is tanking because we're five nerds or six nerds and we don't even know what it is. Or what it's supposed to be, let alone the stock market where people are like, I'll buy $300 of Facebook. Like, I mean, you know, it's so, it's so abstract and it's so like, I think they're just way too ahead of the curve to, to really be anywhere. Like, did you, what's the VR arcade where it's like, I think it's, there's one in Utah where it's a big empty room and Mm -hmm. is it the void or it's something like that? There's a bunch of those. Ryan just said NFTs are more clear than this. But there, yeah. <laughs> I think that that goes back to the problem of defining the space, right? Because you can't say the metaverse is what we all think the metaverse is because that ain't it. It's what Apple 
or not Apple. That's what Facebook wants to do. Now, I want to pull it back into some security stuff. And I want to ask you all a question talking about Facebook and privacy and all these things. Because you know what's awesome? We're not talking about ransomware today, which is so cool. (laughs) Let's say I went to my psychologist, right? And I sit down and I tell this person, I tell them my sexual preferences. I tell them my shopping preferences. I tell them what my hobbies are. I tell them all that stuff. That is PHI, right? If my psychiatrist cannot take that data and they cannot sell it, they can't make money on it, they can't give it to people without my consent, partner networks, yes, they can because you sign up with the same network. What is the difference between me sitting down and having a conversation with a psychologist and the data that Facebook and Google are collecting on us as individuals? Uh, my, my, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is that normally when you do, sit down with your psychologist, you don't have like 50 other people in the room while you say it. Hopefully. Otherwise, you did something really <laughs> <Right>. weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing with, with Facebook. Facebook's like, oh, it's okay for us to give out some of this information because you're just giving it out anyhow. Yeah. The, d- the difference is that if you did tell your psychologist, there are laws and regulations that govern what they can do with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Whereas right. Facebook can just do whatever the hell they want but with see, it. But that's my pro- the, not, we're not talking about yeah. Facebook and like what they can and can't do. The core data itself. I don't think there's any difference. In fact, I would argue, not, not Facebook, but let's Google for me would be the one that would mm-hmm. probably be the one more apt for me personally. I would say Google would know more about me than any psychiatrist. Than you know about yourself, probably. Yeah, I, probably I, more than I, I know yeah, about myself. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. And I mean, like the classic age old example is like Target's algorithms knew a woman that was that a woman was pregnant before she did because of mm-hmm. her purchasing habits changed. She was doing different <laughs> things and they were like, hey, you're pregnant. She was like, what? How did you um, know, ma'am? Yeah. You just bought 16 chocolate bars and four jars of pills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, so for sure, I, I would argue like, and this is why, this is probably Apple's argument that like this, your location, your even like screen time. Like if you, dude, have you ever looked at the screen time reports on your phone? It is the most depressing thing. Like, oh, here's all the statistics about where I spend my time, how I, where I go, what I do. Yeah. Like Reddit. that is Reddit. definitely the first more app you open when you addictively you open your phone. Your phone. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. It, like literally my screen time report tells me what I'm addicted to before I even knew it. I'm like, Oh, it's been audible. That's good. Okay. It's been Reddit. That's bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, I'm like, or Oh, that's interesting. You're traveling and you're like, Oh my God, I, I spent like 16 hours on Reddit. How is that possible? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But but it it goes back to that data that they have on you is more in depth. It's more personal than what you would get from a psychological health professional. I think, I think the only real protection we have when we were talking about security through obscurity is that it is a, it is a, haystack i mean it is hard to go through because right maybe maybe you just left your phone open for 16 hours or maybe you actually use it for 16 hours i I love that because it's like i could because i'm trying to get to the point where i want to push the industry to get that data classified as phi and if facebook wants to collect it fine but they got to protect it and not sell it the way that a hospital would like my um, sleep data, my heart rate data, right. all that your stuff. Sleep data, your heart rate data, all that shit. That's health data. That should be no different than what's at Kaiser Permanente or Blue Cross Blue Shield or mm-hmm. whatever hospital that you go to. And I'm trying to like kind of war game this. Like, what is the difference? And if the difference the is- The picture I took of an open wound on my arm or whatever, like, is that not- <laughs> You laugh about that. But my son, whenever he got this really horrific ATV accident, his leg was split open. When we were heading in, I took a picture and sent it into the ER. And like, it's 
I was like, shit, it got uploaded to Google Cloud. Um, so <laughs> they're like, they're like sending you ads for like scooters. Really bad you, ones. It was a bad accident. And be like, so you're thinking about having another kid? It's like, what? No. Oh, I, oh, God. I, I do think though, Corey did have a point, and I and I wanted to kind of mention it too, because I do agree with you, John, that like that should be classified information. Absolutely. In the meantime, while it's not classified information, how do we keep that information from getting leaked out? And I, I think Corey kind of pointed to it a little bit. The answer is, in a sense, you got to hide in the noise just a little bit too, and you yeah. just feed as much bad data into into their algorithms as you can. See, and that was one of the projects I'd love to get an intern on that you can install like on your browser and your phone and it'll just well, generate white noise, right? One of the things I found was that with Amazon, actually, Amazon now has no idea what I like to buy. And the reason was, was actually completely by accident. I got added to my family's Christmas list oh, on nice. Amazon as collaborators. So now every time that my sister like puts a dress into her shopping list on Amazon, it thinks that I actually want that, which is which great. recommends all that. It's it's fantastic. I've actually been like, no, totally keep me on there as a collaborator. Um, yeah. And I've joined other lists now as collaborators just to throw the algorithm off because that's it. But yeah, we need to find ways to feed well, bad data into the algorithms to hide. So if you're listening to this and you want to develop a browser plugin for Firefox that does just this, please get a hold of me. I'd be happy to pay you uh, to so, develop this as an open source project. <laughs> <laughs> so I, my living room, I have a, I have a TV in my living room hooked up to a computer and most of my accounts are logged into that computer. So when people come over, we'll go on Reddit or YouTube or stuff, stuff like that. And I've recently found, I realized my algorithms are completely screwed across the board. Because like I that. never get anything I like because my wife watches everything on my YouTube account. Mm-hmm. My friends are searching for stuff on my Reddit account. So I'm just like, completely wild stuff comes up the, the the what's next button i'll click on youtube and be like this is something i've never heard of and just keep going further down the rabbit hole so yeah. the security through obscurity is great and and my thing is do we need it like as consumers um sorry Corey, do we need no, that, to have facebook yeah that's exactly good? yeah that's exactly what i was going to say oh, go that ahead. brings go. up that, that, so that brings up the exact thing that is like terrifying and probably going to happen which is that people at some point will probably make the decision I will give you my data if you give me the movies that I want to watch that I don't know what they're called. Like there are people that will do that. <laughs> and like and at some point, like for example, I don't know if you guys use Siri. Siri's terrible because they don't mine data. They suck at it. They're they're not good at like Apple's bad at mining data. They haven't read our emails for 10 years. They have no idea what I'm trying to say. And there gets to a point where I'm like, Siri, I said turn off the light in the bedroom, not set a reminder for 6 a.m. Like it is so bad. And I, I like I could see myself being like, you know what? I'm gonna go use Google. Like I will I will like take the <laughs> yeah. hit. I will give away my I want I just want that song that I listened to two years ago. Like tell me what it was. Give me the nostalgia. How hard hit. Is that? I think people will I think a lot of people who would say, like, I'll do it. I will give you I will give you my PHI or whatever as long as you tell me if I have cancer before I know, you know, that kind of thing. Like it's the chocolate, it's the chocolate problem, right? It's like, would you give me your password for a bar of chocolate? And like a huge percentage of the population is like, yes, I want that bar of chocolate. Well, and we had an article on here not too long ago where Amazon was like, we'll give you 10 bucks at Amazon discounts if you uh, will give us your fingerprints. And Mm -hmm. and yeah, I was going to mention that Burkle's posted that there and it looks exactly like what we need. But, yeah, uh, so let's try to get this. Let's try to amplify noisy. Thank you, Ben, for that. I'm now emailing. This it looks myself, like a fishing so site, but I'm in. <laughs> it does. It does. Like it, it looks does. like 
regards to privacy, data privacy, you will have a hell of a time getting Gen Z on board with this. For as long as I've been alive, privacy really did not exist as a concept. I mean, we existed okay, in now the that's, app that's true. Nor, nor does Gen Z expect that. Yeah, we don't. I, and that's everything bad. You could literally go and data mine every little thing that you have on me, probably just from what you literally know about me right here. And, you know. <laughs> See, and I've had conversations. Dude, I've had conversations with the younger generation. And a lot of times you start talking about privacy and all of that. And they're just like, and what's the problem with that? I'm like, but, but they have everything well, on you. They're like, okay. Or the more lackadaisical version, which is, yeah, I know. Okay. I, I know Facebook's mining my every move and heartbeat, but yeah. I, well, dude, whatever, I think it's, you know? I think it's Gen no, like, Z's problem. Like, it's all about like solve. reasonable expectation of privacy and there is none. Mm-hmm. It is basically yeah, I, what I it comes down to. Point. It, it's their problem to solve. They'll end up with holding the bag. <laughs> like, <it's just> the <laughs> They're not going to solve it though, right? I mean, well, if they I, don't yeah. care, and that's fine. That You're right. It's their problem to solve. If they choose to solve it, great. If not, great. It's their problem. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I know yeah. my generation. I talk to people about this, and they all know about it. And I'm probably better than most of this. It's just it would be so tiring in our generation to stay as a member of Gen Z and connected and stuff like that, and actually try and keeping your privacy. Literally yeah. everything we do and stuff like that. Like, what was the big app two to three years ago during quarantine? TikTok. Mm-hmm. TikTok is absolutely terrible. Did any of my generation actually T- care? Yeah. TikTok's algorithm is so good too. Like the oh, yeah. moment you start watching TikTok, you get videos that are tailored just for you. Like I refuse to get it. And then I realized my wife's algorithm sucked. So I was like, you know what? Fine. I'll download it. And then right off the bat, it's like Star Wars, security, airplanes. Yeah, right. so I'm like, whoa. Whoa. I'm like, where are you pulling this data from? I'm like, all right, it's done. I'm, it's gone. Well, I, 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 mean, I, I did the same thing. I tried it out. I downloaded it, tried it out. And like you said, the algorithm had you pinned and I had so m- I, I mean, you just straight up get addicted. It's like faster than cigarettes. Yeah. And then you have to like rip yourself away from that. And then you feel ashamed of yourself and then you go on. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually planning on getting a book. I don't know. B O O. How was it? Box or box B O O X for books, I guess is how it's pronounced. And they're like a Kindle, but it's actually a kind of an Android and it doesn't have a microphone. doesn't have all that. It's actually like a crappy bigger phone. And part of the reason why I want to do that is I kind of want to start untethering a little bit with still having the connectivity that I need to do my job. Because for me, Reddit is a problem. (laughs) It's absolutely a problem. Uh, Folks, I need to go. My family's here and I haven't seen them in days. So Ryan, can you take us out? <laughs> you, know what, you guys, you guys keep talking about this because everyone likes to talk about it. Screw it. No, that's the uh, best way to end. Your yeah. algorithm decided you need to. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I have decided I'm done with computers for the day. So you guys keep talking about this. this is awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Talk to you next week. Yep. Bye, See John. you, John. Yeah. See you, John. Yeah, I love how it gets on, and then immediately someone goes back and forth in a fucking Harley. (laughs) Dude, you know how cool that guy is? You should go get him on, bring him on the show. Go Go get him, ask if he wants to join. I'm I'm, I'm offering him my wife. I'm like, you know what? You're so much cooler than I am. (laughs) Zero to 100, real quick. How many leather jackets? how How many jackets do you have that are leather?